0: Welcome man, into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare campaign provocateur, and he's never gone 0 for 10 in anything. Not a half, not a show, not anything.
1: It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? It's actually not true. Oh, okay. Right off the bat, I could tell you an embarrassing story, where uh, uh, against me, the recording group against mm-hmm. me, used to carry around a foosball table with them on tour, collapsible foosball table that lived under their bus, and they would set it up and hustle bands, <laughs> And if you got shut out by against me on their house table, you had to crawl under the table after like a fucking frat party. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, I lost shutout style to Andrew Seward and Laura and uh, had to crawl under the table. So, yes, I lost 11 to nothing.
0: You know, I wanted to start with some real something. home
1: table situation, though.
0: Well, KD wishes he had a home table last night, but hey, it's a drop in the pan. I know a lot of people are getting on him for his poor performance there. But uh, anyway, dude, we will get to the basketball in just a little bit. I want to know, what's good in your neighborhood?
1: Oh, you know, living good, healthy, things are coming to life around here. I can't complain, man. Oh. How about you? How's the film coming? Oh, my dude, I'm I'm, I'm greasing a lot of palms. <laughs> You're doing it. You're doing it. It reminds me of the scene in Singles. He's only the next Martin Scorsese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm no nowhere Listen, near that,
1: Danny. You know what I believe in? What? Uh, a rising tide raises all boats. Oh, I'm wow. pulling for you, my friend. Thank you. I hope you you win Oscars and I get invites to some fun parties.
0: Oh, that that's the only reason why we do this is for the parties. But Benny. Oh.
1: I just want a red carpet picture in front of like an absolute vodka ad. That's, that's all I'm going for here.
0: Well, if we keep going, maybe this segment will have a sponsorship from absolute vodka. No. It's this day music history.
1: Do, 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 do. So today, Prince, mm. esteemed, esteemed member of the Tune Up family, <laughs> uh, releases his seventh album, Around the World in a Day, the follow up to Purple Rain. Forgetting Purple Rain was already his sixth album and you forget how prolific Prince was like early in his career and was like 16 years old and making records. It's the first one he issued on his Paisley Park imprint label and recorded solely at Paisley Park Studios, setting the tone for the future of Prince. Now, what I thought was cool is... I always thought Prince was like, oh, I made experimental records after this and I didn't care and this and that. But it actually seems as if he almost uh, curbed his own success. And when he released this, he had so much, you know, pull with the label. He was able to, you know, get an imprint record label and then he was able to you know, um, release any type of record he wanted. This one's super psychedelic and weird, even though raspberry beret and pop life were on this record. So he still had some hits, but he, uh, wouldn't allow the record company to like put out the record with grandstanding, uh, in compliance with Prince's wishes, the record company released the album with minimal publicity And uh, withheld accompanying singles until almost a month after the album's release, based on what Prince told them to do. So I never realized, like, you know, to me, like Prince just got super artistic and the pop world kind of turned from him. But hearing this story about releasing his seventh record, it seems as though Prince was the one who was kind of turning his back on the establishment and, and really... You know, I guess in like a publicity way, was was shooting himself in the foot and didn't want to play that game. And you know, even more respect to Prince, classic uh, cool weirdo. All
0: right. Well, on this day in 1966, two dozen local groups appeared at a battle of the bands in Madawan. That's right, close to home, at the hmm. Madawan Keyport Roller Roller Dome. Wow. And that's right. That sounds in like in a New good time.
1: Jersey. And oh I my guess god! A roller dome. Yeah, a roller keyboard. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's some some real some real salty bay crabs at that place. <laughs> yeah, that's Let me uh tell you that.
0: It's like <laughs> the people who were the the parents of the people in in clerks were probably at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> like like half the people there run run fishing charter boats now.
0: <laughs> oh man! But anyway, but go on. <laughs> I bring this up because there were a bunch of bands uh, that. The Rogues, one first. Sonny and the Starfires, one second, mm-hmm. and third place, the Castiles with Bruce Springsteen. So you know it is a light this day in music history when you have Springsteen coming in third and a coming keyboard battle of the bands as you're this day, but here here. Wait, we wait, are.
1: Y- that was 66. 66. I mean that's cool. Like like yeah. that like respect. Yeah. You know, like we're in, in the year 2022. So that literally means like you know this was 54 years ago for a still relevant artist. I love hearing shit like that. And I love hearing that a guy like Bruce Springsteen had to go play a fucking roller dome <laughs> in Keyport and come in third cuz <laughs> it was probably a bad night for him.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, worst battle of the bands or thing like that that you
1: ever played coming up. Oh man, like <sighs> I'd really have to think about it because there's a lot (laughs) of really bad ones for me. Um, I'd say just functionally, I'm going to go with like the ones that were the worst were a place called Obsessions in Randolph, New Jersey, where if you were an artist, you were given these shitty paper tickets by a very sketchy man. You were told to sell them yourself to fill the place. And then he gave you a tiny infinitesimal percentage of these tickets you sold (laughs) and uh you know you'd have like hundreds of like tiny kids in this room with with uh with no one around and you got like five bucks but it was it was sort of a terrifying experience that one comes to mind just because it was like so out of your element i was like 13 and i'm and i'm meeting like proper like (laughs) Club owner Goomba guy. And I'm like, oh my god, this is terrifying. He literally he rocked a shirt like this, ah. you know, button here, big poof of chest hair, <laughs> and a necklace that said obsessions with diamonds <laughs> over the eyes. My mom and one of her friends came. Actually, I think she drove me there because I put my drums in the car. And this guy was hitting on my mom and her 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 secretary friend all night. Very shady. Oh well.
0: That probably also happened at the Roller Dome in 1966, so there you <laughs> yeah, go. Who
1: knows who owned that?
0: <laughs> All right, let's get into our first headline today, shall we? And let's go across the pond a little bit, or across the pond a Jace. Benny, we have a story about Brian May of Queen coming up, uh, working on a 2008 album. So Brian May has recalled his odd experience of working on the Guns N' Roses infamous 2008 album, Chinese Democracy. The Queen guitarist was among a host of collaborators who worked on the band's sixth studio album, which was recorded over a nine-year period. And I've got to follow up to that in a little bit. Uh, May's <laughs> contribution uh, came on tracks such as Catcher in the Rye that were cut from the album. In the interview, he said that he barely saw Axl Rose, who during that point in recording had become a bit of a recluse. So, Benny, i got to ask about mm. uh, Sessions, how they go wrong, and when a band gets to this spot, I guess you you're, they're all just trying to work remote at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that struck me with this story the most was the highlight of how, like, almost the same as we just said with Prince, like, how an artist who's at the top of the, the charts and at the top of their game can basically hold everyone hostage. The record label, the studio, any other musicians coming in on it, the session goes as long as they want. It's going into their budget. You know, it's um it's these advances on advances they they have to give them or else they'll just leave. So it's this kind of crazy thing where um it gives again, we talk about this sometimes on the show, people with with wavering levels of security way too much power. And and what that does is it breaks people down because there's this subsequent Uh, pressure and expectations. Like, like just think about this, right? Mm -hmm. You're writing a song. You're the songwriter. You're the one who's been holding a fucking studio hostage for years. And then you're like, let me get the guitar player from Queen in here. Like, you know the kind of pressure a songwriter has in that moment to be like, uh, I got to have a great song for Brian May. I need to put out something better than Use Your Illusion. And I think someone who is already a little crazy you know it's literally the reason we liked guns and roses was this like freak from iowa who like wound up on hollywood boulevard fighting people and going crazy like axel rose really did that shit apparently so this is what happens again when you just give you know shaky people unwielding power um but at the same time it's their power to wield like i don't he wrote the songs and and i wish that his band had more of a say in the things happening then. I guess maybe maybe that's the saddest part of it is like once you lose those checks and balances of your band, you know, maybe that's when you all you really, really lose like the ship because you had some normal dude. slash is a pretty normal dude. He's Hmm. over the years. He's proved himself as nice, normal dude. So Axl Rose probably needed him around, (laughs) you know, like talk some sense into him every once in a while. So I think it's a fascinating story, though. I don't really care about like Brian May feeling bad about it because the motherfucker <laughs> got paid anyway. He's rich. I get like contributing something artistically to a record and it not appearing just hurts in a way because you think you did something cool. I get that. Um, but I, I don't really feel like bad for Brian May at all. The big takeaway from this for me was the sort of structure that allowed this to happen
0: that's the interesting thing i was not expecting you to go that that direction with like axel rose about like the pressure of songwriting and and he just gets to a point where he's feeling uninspired and he's like he almost like hits like the dictaphone and is like get
1: me brian may like he's yeah like a i movie. need like like seriously it could have been as crazy as like i'm wasted drunk and i just heard like this queen song and i called my manager And was like, I need Brian May for the next track, man. You know, it couldn't really be as dumb as that. Like, that shit happens. So it's it's pretty crazy.
0: Love that. Well, Benny, there's a lot of craziness going on. A bunch of fun stories today. But right now, breaking just before we started recording this podcast, Warner Brothers Discovery is shutting down CNN Plus as of April 30th marking one of the company's most significant maneuvers after completing the WarnerMedia Discovery merger less than two weeks ago. The move comes during a week where Netflix stock tanked and a first quarter where the streaming service lost 200,000 subscribers. Now, how are these connected? Um, over the past couple fiscal quarters, business quarters, streamers have started to get into the game. You got your Amazons, you got your Disneys, you've got your God knows what. Everybody's got a streamer. But Benny... Is this, after this merger, is this the beginning of consolidation in streaming?
1: I think so. And, you know, I think we've been talking about this for a while. It's one of those, like, inevitabilities inevitabilities that everybody's known about for so long, which is, I mean, so many people complain these days about turning on their fucking TV and just being like, wait, what? What am I doing here? Where? What do I turn on? Where is this? Why is this? And yeah, and I'm fucking sick and tired of like, oh, I have to sign up to a completely new subscription service to just watch one fucking show. I want to watch and people are sick of it. Um, Netflix has a shelf life like I surfed around Netflix again last night (laughs) and I wound up on 30 Rock again because it's just like, all right, there's nothing I don't care a hundred times, whatever. And of course, like all these other things start, they're going to start losing. And now I think you're seeing the public pressure to finally stop squeezing every fucking dollar out of every section and them realizing they're going to have to put this together. Um, that was my thought with the Netflix thing. But when the CNN thing popped up, I couldn't help but think there was a little maybe side political motivation to that, too. Like, I don't know who the fuck is running these mergers. The kind of money that's way, way, way on top of these things is terrifying money, money that I shouldn't even be talking about because those (laughs) motherfuckers could like black bag me. Um, So like, I don't know who who's up there, but there's certainly a chance someone up there hates CNN. And the first thing they decided to fucking pork was them.
0: I'm not so sure that this is entirely political, so Discovery, right? Like the Discovery Channel. There's obviously they have HBO Max, and they have a Discovery Plus streaming service where you can get like your House Hunters International, all of those shows. Three-half masters. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I just think this comes down to like a, a business thing of, hey, we don't really want a third streaming service. If you're gonna do this CNN stuff, just put it on HBO Max, and I think that that's where you're gonna see a lot of this because, I mean, you can already watch some CNN stuff there. You can you you got like the Anthony Bourdain catalog both shows um a, a bunch of those like kamal bell shows are, are on there too so i i think they're more like hey we have this hbo thing the the, the two brands are kind of related already it just makes more sense on on the synergy front i don't think it's some like like oh like uh the guy who owns discovery which i have no idea where he's from is like super maga and he's like there trump i got him for you i don't I think actually that-
1: <laughs> just i just listened to a podcast of the guy who started discovery channel oh yeah Yeah, it was really interesting, and it was actually like a fairly noble endeavor. Um, Yeah, yeah, more than you would think. I'd be surprised if that guy was MAGA.
0: By the way, you know, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, the big winner of this entire merger is Oprah Winfrey. The fact that she sold her her own network, like o- OWN Network, to Discovery a couple years ago, got 25% stake of, of Discovery in the in cell, and now that becomes Warner Brothers? Crazy.
1: Oprah. Oprah's a pimp. <laughs> Oprah's a pimp. One of the coolest American stories ever. Yeah. Doesn't get enough credit.
0: Well, from one great American story to another, Ben, I did not think in a million years when we started this podcast this week that we would be talking about Sonny Vaccaro, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon in the same sentence. But that's what we have here. All right, so we have a rumor coming out of Hollywood that Matt Damon is about is is set to play former Nike executive Sonny Vaccaro and Ben. Sorry, Affleck. I have to do
1: it. Matt Damon
0: <laughs> and, and and Ben Affleck is, um, is set to play Nike co-founder Phil Knight in a movie about Nike's efforts to sign Michael Jordan to a shoe contract in the mid 80s, which if you've been watching Winning Time, which is another thing we're going to get to in, in a little bit. The Phil Knight uh, Magic Johnson thing. I was like, give me that as, as a whole show right there. Anyway, uh, they'll co-write the script and produce it together with Affleck will, and Ben Affleck will direct. So, Benny, on a scale of one, to it's got to be the shoes. How excited are you about this?
1: I'm close to shoes. <laughs> the thing the thing I love about a movie like this is I don't know anything about the story, and I already love the story, simply because of the moving parts. So it's like, you already got me. You Like, like I'm on board. You have to lose me at this point. But... <laughs> what you already said is is well first thing okay yeah. there's a couple pitfalls to watch out for firstly who plays young michael jordan hmm. you know like like i can't think of anyone off the head and again we ran into this a couple weeks ago trying to cast another film is like you need you may need to cast an athlete not an actor you know like like it may it may be easier for an athlete to pretend that they're Michael Jordan, than like an actor to pretend they're Michael Jordan on mm. a basketball court, like because it would just look so bad. Yeah. So I think that is like the biggest pitfall to watch out for. And if you ask me, I say you go Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttleworth style, and you get an actual kid who can hoop and has some charisma, and 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 hope for the best. That yeah. can go wrong too, <laughs> but I think that's the best bet. Second pitfall. I think you have to learn from winning time and what the fuck is happening <laughs> right now. You have to get Jordan to sort of be on board prior to this movie coming out. I'm not talking about like producer thing or something like that because it's not really his role. But you got to like you got to get the tip of the cap somehow before this comes out to avoid what you're seeing exactly. now and in, in what we're about to talk.
0: It's so crazy to me. So we've had Sonny Vaccaro on the radio a bunch. I used to go to the ABCD camp because he held it at Fairleigh Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how that's how you meet like the coaches. I saw Lil mm-hmm. Bow Wow go up against Kevin Love there. Crazy, crazy stuff happening. But this guy, man, you want to talk about? You know, we talk a lot about people who have uh, have been like reality stars or like rock stars and have kind of pivoted, getting out of the shoe business when he did, because he's kind of been forced out. He's had a bunch of of different stops, kind of uh, when the Adidas uh, lawsuit went down and and Kansas and everything went down, that was kind of Sonny Vaccaro's, like, key, all right, I got to switch it up. Well, he switches it up and pivots to getting Ben Affleck and Matt Damon to do something about sports. I mean, this is just crazy. I, knowing Sonny, I cannot picture Matt Damon here. I just can't, I, I don't mm. think Matt Damon's slick enough.
1: Oh, okay. Ben Affleck,
0: yeah. I could see as him. Him, him and Affleck have a right. similar energy. But. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Especially the turns Damon has done in the last, last few years. Yeah. I guess you got to go more like Jason Bourne than Stillwater, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's could, like, I don't <laughs> Like I, was I mean <laughs> I'm with you I see I see him with the still water <laughs> yeah. white trash dude now too and you know all like jacked and frumpy um <laughs> yeah yeah I I see what you mean it is a tougher sell there on the Damon side um, Matt Damon unless
0: um uh, unless it's going to be like the kid from Rounders is like hawk and shoes and like that's their portrayal of sonny of but I just can't even see even
1: the it. kid from Rounders is like he's like is cute and putsy a yeah. little like like it's not he's not his vibe isn't super smooth that's <laughs> worm's character
0: yeah right it's gonna be like when they made uh uh frankie valley look like a total saint in jersey <laughs> it's like yeah. it's what yeah. we're gonna do here yeah all right, Benny. Next headline today. We talked about it. We're here now. Winning Time has come under a bunch of fire. The HBO show by Adam McKay. Adam McKay coming out under a bunch of fire for these projects recently. But a couple of weeks. I like people taking some swings here. But former Los Angeles Lakers executive Jerry West is demanding a retraction and an apology for what he has called a baseless and malicious assault on his character in the HBO series Winning Time. In a letter sent Tuesday by his legal team to the network and producer. Adam McKay. Um, West a- alleges that winning time falsely and cruelly portrays Mr. West as an out of control, intoxicated rageaholic, saying that, uh, that it bears no semblance to the real man. They asked for a, a retraction within two weeks um, of of the letter. So uh, there's so much happening here. But the fact that I, I think that this show is falling victim to the fact that they made it too soon while all these people are still alive and kicking.
1: I mean, like you're right in the idea that they wouldn't have had any problems after then. But what you're saying is also kind of fucked up (laughs) because it essentially means, oh, the second you die, someone's allowed to take your story and start to alter it just because you're not there to defend yourself. So I think there is like an actual like moral thing going on here where like this dramatization thing that kind of used to exist in fucking lifetime movies and no one took seriously has been brought to like a real realm and it's problematic and you're seeing why it's problematic. And like, so there is a point you either have to make fucking fiction or nonfiction. And this idea that you can take real people who are still around and fuck with their stories, it's kind of messed up. And, you know, even to say, you know the you've had these problems with the estates of famous people being like you fucked up this story you're not telling it right and and you're using two drum you know so i think there's an inherent problem in this that we need to start exploring and i mean personally i can't speak much to the characters itself because i watched this a little and it truly didn't grab me and i think for exactly the reason people have a problem with it is like My major attraction to sports is the black and white nature of things, right? This is what happened. When? These are the numbers to prove it using scores and stats. The world doesn't make any sense to me. Sports does. There's winners, losers, champions, scoring leaders, things that just the ball went in the fucking net and you won. I like that black and white nature of sports. So a dramatization about something I'd actually like to learn about doesn't interest me. Like I actually want the real story. I'd rather listen to Kareem get interviewed than, than watching something like this. So I, I don't know. So, but ask that question. They said, you have two weeks to retract. What happens if they don't? Well, are, are they just going to take the show down for defamation or something?
0: I I have no idea, but this is, This is so crazy because when they made Moneyball, nobody said anything. When they made The Big Short, nobody said anything. When they made Vice, nobody said anything. Why now? Because these are people that people love in in Jerry West, Magic Johnson. Now, like, why now is it a problem?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe because the people, at least, I don't know much about Vice, but in, um, you know, The Big Short... You're not dealing with they're not famous people. Yeah. You know, like in Billy Bean, sort of famous. I think like Art Howe's and I believe Art Howe did have a problem with Moneyball, actually, come mm. to think of it. I don't think he liked the way he was portrayed in that movie, if I recall. So that did have a problem. Um I think that yeah, the thing you pinpointed is this the first time they're really like these are celebrities. Yeah. this fucking Kareem. This is magic. <laughs> this is the NBA logo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is some unfuckable with territory. And, like, you're getting statements from people who are, like, big people yeah. who are, like, no, 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 no. Like, this is not what, what went down. And so I, I don't know what's going to come of it. But uh, I think there's some meat to this whole thing. Like, it's going to go somewhere else. I think that we're um, the
0: NBA is going to have to approve everything every single show that comes out about it going forward because this kind of reminds me of what what the NFL went through with Playmakers in, like, 2006. They did not like how an NFL franchise was portrayed, and they haven't done anything else that hasn't been NFL media since. So I, I, I could see, you know, the NBA likes to cater to it, its partners especially, which is this going to be a, a whole fascinating wrinkle in and of itself, the fact that... HBO is Warner TNT and they have have the rights to the NBA so and uh, the TV rights yeah. deal is coming up and there's been a, a lot of speculation about everything going forward. So imagine if Adam McKay and all this just like fucked up TNT's deal there's there, there's some serious ramifications from this show.
1: Uh, yeah, it's interesting.
0: All right. Well, now that we got the goss out, out of the way, we went from one part of the NBA that I love, the nonsense and the bullshit, and we're going to go to the part that Benny actually cares about, the black and white, and everything that happens on the court. All right. Playoff action is underway, and we're going to start... In the Philadelphia Raptors uh, series, game three between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors blessed us with an epic ending that saw Joel get revenge. We talked that it could have been a possibility last week. It actually happened in game three as the Sixers center gave the Sixers a 3-0 series lead. And Benny, we got to start because you know, the we can't just be like rational about this. We got to take it from zero to a hundred real quick. As of right now, are the sixers the favorite to come out of the East?
1: No, I don't consider them the favorite yet. I mean, you tell me Chris Middleton's out for the playoffs, maybe. and Boston goes to Barclays and wins game three. Maybe mm-hmm. Th- they are, you know, so no, i'm not I'm not willing to project that yet but I think there are some really uh, encouraging things for Philly fans coming out of this series. You, you know, a, the biggest part of this, of course, is your superstar. And the one thing that's markedly different about Embiid this time to other times, he doesn't look tired. He looks strong. He looks like someone you don't want to fucking get in front of on the court right now. Like anybody taking a charge from this guy is nuts. Um, So, like, but in past years, he's flopping around. I thought he was a little hobbled. I was scared for him, almost in like watching Aaron Judge catch a fly ball. I get, I get nervous every, every time he moves. And I don't feel that way about Embiid right now. Like, this looks like a prime player at the peak of his powers that nobody can really stop. Um, and we talk about this a lot. You get into the playoffs often. It is just your best player versus your best player. And Joel Embiid is not a bad guy to bet on right now. Um, the other thing that I think is coming up huge is the fact that, well, Tobias Harris is playing well, which is, you know, kind of understated at this point. But I think Maxi and the way he can handle the ball and the way he's creating offense has kind of made James Harden the third most important player on the court, which is helping James Harden a lot. Like, you know, the things that always broke James Harden was pressure. And there's less on him now, surprisingly, because of how, you know, much this other guy developed. It's not his team. It's Joel Embiid's team, clearly. Maxie is like this budding superstar who can do things on the court that he can't do right now. And I think it really took the heat off him. So, you know, last week I, I picked Philly to win. I wasn't buying the Toronto hype. I didn't think Fible missing games was that important. Um, and, and like I said, they don't have anybody who can cover Joel and beat and they don't. Uh, so I do think it's very encouraging for Philly fans and, but, but they're going to see a much different team in the next round because the, they're most like, they're either going to get the, the nets or the Celtics. And that's a much different team than the Raptors.
0: I thought that Philly got uh, Miami next, right?
1: I thought that that's how that worked. It's the one seed plays the winner of the four five seed.
0: Yeah, so that's them, right? That's that's that's.
1: It would be so. I thought it'd be Miami, Milwaukee, and then either Philly. No, because Milwaukee's the three. That's a that's a three six.
0: So so yeah, yeah. we're gonna have potentially Miami, Philadelphia in the second round. That's
1: crazy, bruiser, (laughs) be a fucking (laughs) bruiser. But uh, you know, like you said, and we were discussing earlier. Is that, um, you know, even though Miami doing some nice things with the Hawks, like, but the Hawks, they ran into, like, maybe the worst matchup they yeah. could possibly get in the NBA. <laughs> you know, like, like, this is just the perfect matchup for the Heat. So I'm just almost, like, not willing to say what I see of the Heat right now. But I do uh, question their ability to, like, just big dog <laughs> a Giannis or big dog, a Tatum or, or, or a big dog and Embiid right now. Like, like that does seem a little far-fetched to me, even though they're the number one seed. They're, they're, they're relying on 30 to 40 points
0: out of Jimmy Butler. You're not going to get that, no, especially as no. the playoffs go on. But And well, Bam
1: looks a little confused on offense. Yeah. Like, you know, I they, they think they're doing some different things in the playoffs that are throwing him off his game. And I mean, but you have like, you have some really dangerous stuff with Miami that people forget about. You also like on any given night can have like a, a fucking 13 of 15, three point night from Duncan Robinson and hero off the bench and, you know, Struess and like these random characters who can get hot and you mix that with the kind of defensive strategy they play Spolstra, just always coming in really strong as a coach. Like I'd like to give him a chance still. I, I just, I can't make a determination in this series. Yeah. yeah. This is just like it's like JV to them. It <laughs> doesn't work. This matchup doesn't work.
0: All right. Well, next headline, and this broke just before we got on the air today as well. Phoenix Sun Star Devin Booker is likely to miss games three and four against the New Orleans Pelicans with a mild right hamstring strain, though he has been ruled out for the rest of the series. Um, does not having Booker give Pells a window here, Benny?
1: Probably to me, not the Pels. Mm. Um, you know, like I loved what I saw the other night, like that. Th- this team is like, I think they're coming and I think they made some really great moves that Griffin deserves credit for now, like Herb Jones, absolute steal. I mean, come on. This guy is playing 40 plus minutes in that game. He's all over the court on defense. How do you not love that dude? And they stole him late, very late, um, you know undrafted Jose Alvarado, you know, keeping Ingram on, uh, making the McCollum trade and getting rid of that, like all good moves. Mm -hmm. I was killing Griffin like three months ago. And now I'm like, all right, good for you. But I don't think it's good enough to get through Phoenix here. I think the big thing to watch is like what's happening with Booker by game five. If he's not coming anywhere near the court by game five, and and still you know limping into shape th- this is a problem and and i do think it gives you know that thing to the teams hanging around in the west th- an open door that mm. they didn't see a couple days ago you know like like a couple days ago you saw an absolute juggernaut in the first half devin booker put up 31 points in the first <laughs> half he's about to go for fucking 60 yeah. before this happened and now he's out and and like, I don't see that team functioning on the highest levels without him. I mean, he is their primary scorer. So much offense runs through him that it's a huge problem. And for, you know, teams like the Warriors and Grizzlies who are really starting to feel hype, starting to feel some moxie, you know, the Mavs um, looking like they're going to get Luka back soon and then they're, you know, winning games without him anyway. So I think this is very interesting wrinkle in the playoff scenario, and it even uh, philosophically has given these teams a sliver of hope that the, they, they feel like they have more of a chance than they did two days ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're a, a team like Dallas, you're, you're sitting back and looking at everything coming together, Booker get, mm-hmm. getting hurt, this kind of becomes, a, okay, we can get past the uh, Jazz, and then we're facing best team record wise this season without their best players and i don't know it's uh it's looking good for for Jason Kidd but i do think that the suns can get by the pels this series yeah. as currently constructed but a, a a series against the mavs as they're coming into form would be super fun to watch
1: and and you got to and you know the thing that's always looming here is like this is devin booker getting hurt i've been waiting for chris paul to get hurt you know it's like I've watched Chris Paul in the playoffs so many times and I've watched a series where I'm like, Oh my God, who's going to beat this <laughs> team? They're, they're so good. Who's yeah, going to beat man. this team? And then, oh, oh shit. Chris Paul's gone. He's out. They're gone. Clippers are dead. Sons are dead. Like, you know, I've seen it before and I'm almost like I'm waiting to see it again. So I, I really, I hope this doesn't happen because the sun season was, was historic I really want Chris Paul to win. Like, I, I root for him, you know, um, but but it's troubling. Well, Also,
0: on Wednesday night, uh, the Bucks lost Chris Middleton to his sprained MCL in his left knee during the fourth quarter of Milwaukee's 114-110 loss to the Chicago Bulls. Um, his status is still up in the air. And this whole Chris going down yesterday got me thinking about how last year's run sometimes when you're on a championship run things just need to work in your favor and literally every series in last year's run something went right for the bucks whether it be Trey Young getting hurt uh the injuries that the Suns picked up Dragic missing in game 1 of every single series last year like Dragic went down and then like Kyrie got hurt and it was just yeah, a bunch yeah. of stuff and this year, right out the gate, losing Chris Middleton, um, kind of makes you have to pose a question. Can the Bucks get out of the first round if they don't have Chris
1: Middleton? Yes. So so there's something we always have to remember, and I'm I'm always shocked, I have to remind you. <laughs> the Bucks have Giannis. You remember that? Sometimes. You remember this guy? Yeah. Who? He's really good. Giannis? Good. Like, <laughs> you know, and I watch this guy play and I'm at the point. At his age and the way he plays with his personality and the way he approaches the game, I often think I'm looking at not only like a top five player in the league right now, top three, top one, I don't know. I sometimes think I'm looking at a top 10 best player of all time. You know, like he's got a a track to him that, that you know, there's there's no narrative for. This is like, this is Shaquille O'Neal. This is... Human highlight reel type of person, so the Bucks are never ruled out, and I think for the Chicago, Chicago is kind of like winding it together, and you know that I think they're going to make it a tougher series than people anticipated. DeRozan got his playoff DeRozan thing off his shoulders last game, which was nice, but I do still think Milwaukee gets through this series. Um, I mean, moving forward. This is where that, you know, that random trade of Dante DiVincenzo kind of, you know, seemed like a sort of passing thing, but now feels really important. Like, you already have no George Hill, right? Chris Middleton's out. DiVincenzo's gone. So how much Wes Matthews, Grayson Allen, Connaughton... Jordan the war we got to start getting into with these minutes because it's going to be thin in that 2 to 3 spot. Um so but I think the severity of Middleton's injury looks like he he could uh, make a recovery fairly quickly, no? Mm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's uh it's a couple days to 8 8 weeks. It, it probably feels like he'll probably miss the, the next one and then be back for the rest of the series. But I don't know, man. I mean, like, you're listing those names. I have zero confidence. Like, I, I have more confidence in Pat Content in the playoffs than, like, Wes or, like, God, Grayson yeah. Allen. We're, we're relying on Grayson. Like, this, th- this is a total nightmare. This is why I get that you, you didn't want to pay, pay Bryn Forbes. What a tongue twister that guy is. Yeah. But, like, now he's over in, in Denver, and they're probably going to get knocked out in the first round, too. But it's just,
1: like it'd be a nice luxury to have. Well, it's not like Brian Forbes is eating up any minutes. He's not even getting run in Denver. So I, I don't know about the Bryn Forbes thing. I, I really think the big mistake here was the Divincenzo yeah. thing. I mean, towards the end of the season, that guy's playing 35 minutes in a night in Sacramento and putting up, he's an exciting player. You put him out there. He can do some things. We yeah. all know that. Yeah. So that, that was probably the safest option you had, you know, maybe besides for Connaughton. Um, but you know, Wes Matthews is still a piece, they could still put Brooks it together. Bank. Uh, but I do think this the exact same scenario happens here with Phoenix, which is like I I really thought Milwaukee was still gonna come through the East and come through pretty hard. And now, you know, especially what Boston's been doing, what Philly's been doing, it seems more realistic that someone else could crack through. Yeah. And you brought up the Celtics, we're gonna get to them real quick and no it, please don't i uh, know <laughs> i know we got to take the medicine
0: i i purposely duh, duh, stacked, I'm okay
1: i'm okay i'm okay i
0: stacked the show so that we did all of the fun stuff and then we had a little pinch at the end it, it's kind of like when you go Listen, to the doctor you got to take your
1: yeah. you know me i just enjoy sports these days i don't let them stress me out even the nets that's
0: good that's good well the celtics have been ridiculous in this series against the nets they are now up a have a 2-0 series lead after their 114-107 win in Game Two, a, a a game that saw Kevin Durant look strange. It's strange to see Kevin Durant go over mm-hmm. 10 in in the second half of that game. The Celtics outscored the Nets 29 to 17 in the fourth quarter. Uh, seven of the Celtics who reached double digits. With the, uh, they were led by Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, with 22 and 19 respectively. After thirty nine points in Game One, Kyrie had ten points on four thirteen shooting, uh, and we already talked about the Kevin Durant stuff. Uh, Benny, is this just a case of you know the the Celtics are for the most part healthy and ready and fit for the current moment?
1: I mean, yes, yes, and I think there's some uh, things showing up here that really show they're a different team in a new part of their stage. You know what I mean? They were, for years and years and years, a middle-tier team who maybe could have. Now they're one of the dogs. They're up there, and they're going to be there for a while. One of the cool indications, even just as a basketball fan, is the extra pass in both games. And I'll tell you both plays. The last play of the first game in game one, the reason two guys are jumping in the air at Marcus Smart, is Marcus Smart usually takes that stupid fucking shot. (laughs) usually hurls it up with a huge arc. And you're like, no, Marcus, why do you do that? What does he do now? He finds Tatum, cutting, perfect timing to the basket, perfect team play. The, N- the Nets had no answer for it. Once they got two guys in the air, it was done. And then last night, you know, Tatum's driving. He has this, this beautiful cut to the rim, and you think he's going to go for a really, you know, challenging play at the rim. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, gets it out to a wide open Jalen Brown three pointer that kind of really changed the momentum of the game. And between that and the kind of defense they're playing, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different team and you have to start considering Tatum among, you know, I mean, clearly a top 10 player in the league at this point, you can't debate that at all. So, uh, but, 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 and a big, but we've all been duped. By 2-0 series leads at home many times before. I don't know what this you're talking This is not about. over. Yeah. Game one was a shot away. Game two, you had an, two icy cold superstars in the second half. I mean, listen, I appreciate Boston's strategy. They chipped the fuck out of Durant last night. From the moment it tipped off, they were chipping him. They were hurting him. They got him off his game and some of those shots you see in the second half those are durant gimmies yeah those are 12 14 16 footers a foot over anybody else i'm i've grown accustomed to expecting those to go in so when they don't i even give durant a pass i'm like this is a weird night because he's missing these um, so i think the nets still you know uh, ha- have a big chance to get back into this series um, they were they were close games uh, and and things can change fast, the, but I do think uh, a big takeaway is that is that Boston is is here to stay. Proper yeah. team now,
0: hundred percent here to stay. And r- real quick, the thing that I wasn't expecting about Jason Tatum is I-, I feel like he has watched more Kevin Durant film than anybody else because he knows exactly where he is at yeah. every single moment. Um, so it it it's, so, it's up to Kevin Durant to be like, hey, I have this in my
1: bag too. I got a question for you that yeah. occurred to me last night. Yeah. Is this what Michael Jordan is talking about? What is this what mean? like Larry Bird is talking about? Is this why you don't befriend young players? Like, there are pictures of Jason Tatum like hugging Kevin Durant when he was a kid at AAU camps, and they, they've never been Kevin Durant's always been cool to Jason Tatum. Mm. There's no fear, you know. The only fear is like this guy's a great player, but he's not like, Does Kevin Durant hate me? <laughs> What happens if I beat him? What happens if I don't beat him? All this like uncertainty that someone like Michael Jordan, who was just fucking stone cold killing you, wouldn't have, you know, a Kobe maybe wouldn't have a Larry Bird wouldn't have. I don't often side with like the old school agenda of the NBA, who is often like way out of touch. But I was wondering last night, is this maybe a small indication of that? What do you think?
0: Yeah, and I think we're getting back into a fun era of the FU guys. I mean, you got your Giannises who don't work out with anybody. Jokic doesn't work out with anybody. And Bede used to. Guess what? He stops doing it. Arguably one of the best players in the league. So, yeah, 100%. I think we're getting back into that fun era where guys are like, I have my team, and I don't need to help you. Yeah. All right, plain ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at thetuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. If you want to follow us on all the social platforms, that is the TuneUp HQ on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to follow the big man, he's at Benny One, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got
1: anything else? Don't worry. We'll talk fantasy baseball next week.
0: The show is in. Go in peace. You've been listening to The TuneUp.